Throughout much of the first season of the podcast, we talked with people who were getting started on their careers. They were either fresh out of university or within the first five years of beginning their professional careers. I wanted to end the first season of the show by leaving you with a conversation with someone that was in the sports industry, but decided to leave it before they were 30. A dream job for a lot of students in high school is to work in sports, whether it be as an athlete or some other management position. That idea is very appealing. How do I know this? Because I was one of those people. It's what led me from Three Oaks to Ryerson and then the 2014 Paralympics, followed by Sportsnet and the Canadian Press. This week's guest is a former co-worker of mine that needed a change of scenery after six years working in sports. And the reason behind his career change may surprise you. Stay with us. Jeff Simmons is 30 years old and an insurance broker in Toronto. We worked together at Sportsnet for two years. He was a staff writer, and I was a freelancer on the website. You might recognize the name Simmons if you're a sports fan in Toronto. Jeff's dad, Steve, is a sports columnist with the Toronto Sun. Jeff's brother also works in the industry with both TSN and the Leafs. Getting into sports was never originally in the cards for Jeff, he was thinking of getting a real estate license before landing a summer job at TSN. He went on to work at Sportsnet, and after six full years, was growing unhappy with his job. But his decision to leave Sportsnet was also influenced by the death of two people that he knew. It prompted him to think differently about his career, and also left him with a desire to help people more. Before we start to play this episode... Just a quick apology for the background noise and music. We posted up shop at a local bar to record this episode. This is the Under the Hill Podcast with Ryan McKenna. So it's safe to say that you guys, uh, that you come from yeah, a very we, sports family. Yeah, we've, we've grown up in the industry. Funny enough, my dad was always pushing me out against, but I would see him. and He's one of the few people that really made it big in the industry. It's much different in the 80s. Newspapers were the, if you're a newspaper columnist, that's a... That's a go-to. Job, top dog. Yeah. Now newspapers are dying. No one, no one in our generation's reading them, unfortunately. And I always saw the kind of life he had. And as a kid who loved sports, and it's hard not to want to do that, even though your dad is telling you his jobs are few and far between. I was a stubborn teenager. I didn't listen to my dad. And once I'm in the industry, he, he's so happy. And he, he and when I, so it's. We'll, we'll get to him more in a second. I, I actually wrote wrote him down because I wanted to talk to you about yeah. about having a, a dad in the industry. But uh, when did you know then that y you wanted to get into sports or, or sports writing? So I did not have a plan to go into sports writing at all. Um, when I was in university, I knew a couple guys on the, were working like around the Guelph Storm. Okay, was, so you, you went to Guelph? And I went to university in Guelph. I studied business. Marketing was my major. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just wanted generic business. I wasn't smart enough to be a doctor. Or didn't want to be a lawyer or anything. I did an internship with two different teams in Guelph. I, I did a little bit of actual writing for the football team. Actually, Justin Dunk, who has kind of made it these days, he lived in the same residence as me in Guelph. Our rooms were directly across from each other. 
this is his freshman year, my freshman year. He becomes the quarterback like week five of the season. So I'm buddies with the guy. We play video games every day. This guy's like the star quarterback of the school, and now he's like a CFL insider. It's funny enough, we end up working in Sportsnet together, but the next year he's like, Simmons, you know like a ton about sports. Like we got to get you with the team somehow. So I was doing like stuff for like the CIS website. I was writing like recap stories. I would interview Dunk. I'd interview players. But like I did it for Saturdays for a couple of years. And it wasn't anything serious. No, no. It was just like he, he liked me. wanted to like get me a couple extra dollars. And no one knew more about football in those days than I did. So he hooked me up with a, a job there. And then my last year of school, through another connection, I, I did some stat stuff for the Guelph Storm. So only on Friday night game days, they played home all, all, most Fridays. I would send the press box and just manually type stats into their system. Like anytime there was a... This was the year like Drew Doughty was on the team. Steven Stamkos was around. So it was kind of cool. See guys now who are some of them in the NHL. Like Peter Holland was on the Leafs for a bit. I, I worked with him a little bit. Yeah, so this was like 2008, I think. 2008, I, I spent a year with the Storm. Just wasn't much of a job. It was like any person could have done it. But for me, it was cool to be around the press box. Yeah. And then I graduated, not knowing what I was going to do. Initially, I'm like, I was looking at like doing my real estate license at that time that was kind of where I was thinking about I kind of wanted to be a self-employed guy and but I, I was still sports 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 that's how I was is still kind of am but so as I was saying with archives before archives was a, a summer job that like I want to say nepotism was a part of it but it was a, kind of a place that they would fill summer students with people who worked around TSN kind of their kids so Bob McKenzie's two kids were there Sean and Mike, they both are pretty good jobs in sports now. Me and my brother were there. Uh, who else was there? Rod Smith's son eventually came on. Yeah, a couple guys like that. So Justin Cuthbert, who works at Yahoo now and the score before. He's Chris Cuthbert's son. He, so I don't want to say there was, there was some nepotism, obviously, but they kind of just stick us around there. We would go through whatever summer sports were going on, and we made minimum wage, and it was the probably the most fun job I've ever had. You're sitting there being paid to make sports videos. Yeah. <clears throat> Sounds pretty ideal to me. Yeah, so I, I do that my first full summer out of school. They liked me a lot, and they needed someone to do the NFL, and the NFL's always been a strength of mine, so they had me stay on for the winter. And so I was there for a full year and a summer. And I, at the time, I was like, okay, where... I'm starting to think, like, as a stubborn graduate okay where, where's my next step here yeah. I don't know I don't know why I always think yeah. like that but <laughs> yeah so I'm doing that and I talked to one of the like the big bosses there and they say the next step usually if you want to get in is it's called like an AP I think that was the job called so you're cutting highlights every night it's where like Jay Onrate started it's where like Rod Smith started you start the ground floor and it's like a farm system they, they, grew, they grew you up and you can become anything you want from there so oddly enough, like we were talking about me doing that as a freelance role, and I was going to do some studying on the side, kind of do keep my foot in the door and see if I can do. And all of a sudden, it was like the middle of the summer. I remember I was at my I was living at my parents' house still. I was freshly graduated, and I get a call out of the blue from a guy named Pat Greer. Pat Greer was like my dad's old boss in the Toronto Sun, and they needed two guys to do. They just, Sportsnet's website was growing. They needed guys to just do nights and weekends and just fill everything out. So 
calls me out of the blue. Like I uh, at that time, Sportsnet was just like, like I would never watch Sportsnet. I would never go on their website. This was 2010. Like they were clearly this is before like Scott Moore got there. Like, they're, they're clearly like the second-rate company compared to where I was at TSN. But I, I met with the guy for coffee. Like they needed a full-time guy, not full-time, but like 40 hours a week guy to manage the website on weekends and nights and as much as I like, like TSN I'm like this is a better opportunity for me to grow I, I wasn't crazy about that cutting highlight stuff even though so this was in 2010 2010 and it was me and Scott Morrison's nephew Chris Morrison we were brought in around the same time both had relationships with careers so again this is kind of a theme in this industry it's who, most industries though it's who you know and so I just out of the blue with no intentions of doing whatever I, I joined I left TSN who was at the time couldn't believe it yeah, time going from TSN to sports now. Was At, in 2010, I would say like no one was going to touch TSN. They were they had oh, the NHL rights. They had yeah. Bob McKenzie, Darren Drager. Uh, they had just everything. So this was a was bold fun. move, especially because my dad was a TSN. Not a, he's never been an employee of TSN. Simmons, you're a bold man, though. Yeah, <laughs> I think for myself, I always have. At the time, like my, my dad and my brother were TSN. TSN was clearly the superior company, and at the time, like maybe I'll go to the inferior one to give me an opportunity. So at that time, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had no writing background. I wasn't great at writing essays in school. I never considered myself a writer. My my strength was always my knowledge of sports. I was always kind of ahead of the curve in that area. So I'm like an opportunity to be on a website seemed to fit my skill set more than the TV stuff. So I jumped on board. The money was pretty much the same. It was just. For me, I saw it as a better opportunity, and as I wrote that out, things just kept coming up. Like they had me doing articles on like the NFL power rankings, or like, and then a, a year later, we got a new boss who wanted to turn me into a full-time writer. So that I had no writing background. He just kind of wanted to stabilize the website, so he made. I think there was a team of eight. He made like the three freelancers all full-time. And that's how you became a staff writer. So that's how I became... Well, at first it was called a digital content editor. So our job was kind of like fill the gap between what the columnists were writing and opinions and what the wire was. So it was more like taking trendy things off the internet and turning into stories before... I didn't become a staff writer until the the magazine kind of inherited the website. That's when they really said, okay, we want you as like a full writer now. So it was kind of just like anytime there was a management switch, I would get bumped up even though like I didn't say I wouldn't deserve it but it was just like a coincidence like I never had to I've never had an interview for a job that I've applied for that I've gotten it was either just like management would come in and say we need to restructure and then they would just reassign me and then after a while I did that job and then I, that was the job I stuck with for the rest of my Sportsnet time before we get into life after Sportsnet because yeah. clearly the reason why we're talking to you is because you're not there anymore but what would you say is was your proudest moment on the job because you spent how many years there I was there for I think six full years proudest moment on the job honestly the coolest thing to me is I got to cover I'm a hardcore Seattle Seahawks fan uh, if anyone follows me on Twitter like I have family in Vancouver. I've grown up cheering for them. And they played one game in Toronto in 2012. And our old boss let me cover it, not knowing. So I'm sitting there in the press box. Like, my favorite team is there. Like, I never thought I'd cover an NFL game in Toronto. Like, it's my favorite team. I'm in the press box with my dad. 
like covering this game and like all the guys I looked up to in the industry are all there. It's a big deal. There was Rogers used to do the NFL in Toronto thing, so you'd get one game a year and I'm in the press box covering my favorite team, like my favorite players. It just felt surreal. Like I'm on the field after doing an interview for Sportsnet, like to me that's something like if you told me in high school or college that I'd be doing that, I would have laughed in your face. But things in our roles, jobs, opportunities like that just didn't come very often. We were more grinding on the desk, grinding from our desks. So, just the opportunity to cover a game with my dad, and yeah, that'd be pretty special. It was pretty cool. Like he he probably enjoyed it a lot more than I did. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's yeah. enjoyable for both parties. For yeah, sure. exactly. Um, so your your transition from Sportsnet. Out, outwards into what you're doing now. Yeah. Um, was there a turning point that uh, that made you realize that you know I, I need to change things up? I said there's like a variety of factors. I don't want to bag on anyone in my old job or. It was just at a point where I was kind of flatlining. Not nothing to do with anyone. It was just kind of the structure of a, a big corporation doesn't allow for growth all the time. So I was kind of like evaluating. I'm always a guy. I'm always thinking for the next step, which is, can be a good or bad thing. I need to be more satisfied with my present. It's a problem in my life. But but honestly, I started thinking about... I had two colleagues I worked with during my year and a half at TSN. And one guy I was pretty close with. One guy I knew from around the office. One guy, he was a guy who had a lot of friends with a lot of my colleagues at Sportsnet. Fortunately, he comes into work one day. He was a guy who didn't take great care of himself, but he was a young, in his late 30s. Fortunately, drops dead. It's sad stuff. I was at Sportsnet. Our boss at Sportsnet was really close with the guy. And that really just phased me. I didn't know the guy that well. If we saw each other, maybe if I had nod, but like seeing a guy. And the other guy I worked with was a guy who trained me at TSN. He was a guy who was a different kind of guy, hardcore. Hardcore guy would give his heart and soul to TSN. Like anyone around TSN knew this guy. Hard guy, like he's kind of pretty young guy. Like got diagnosed with cancer. A year or two later, same thing with him. He he left a family with two kids, and cancer took him at like 35. It's the guy who trained me. A guy my brother was working with every day. Like so, at this point, I was kind of like flatlining in my current job. I started thinking about like I got some like really deep thoughts like what am I doing with my life like what am I going to be remembered for like you can go at any time like so I would I would talk to my parents a lot about like I, I wouldn't feel comfortable talking to a lot of people about this but I was I was struggling struggling with my job I was struggling like where's my next step is this it for me and my parents arranged me to meet with a family friend of ours who who like managed some of our money at the time he worked as a he was a money manager in wealth and he was also an insurance broker he did life insurance and I didn't know anything about insurance the idea of going from sports to insurance would have at that time I would have laughed in his face and I he met with me just to talk to me my parents arranged me to meet with him not thinking anything of it just thinking he'd be a good guy to talk to and he said you should come work for me like we can help people you, you're a young guy you know a lot of people we can help put the people in situations where they're not like that and 
maybe their families aren't protected or they don't need to do GoFundMe accounts. And I don't know how, what kind of stuff these people had, but I know I want to be in a relationship where I can start helping people and working with people. And I didn't really know what I wanted at the time. So the guy said, you know, we had a bunch of meetings. At the time, I still couldn't get past the idea of like leaving sports to do this. And when I, even when I talked to my parents, and my dad was, I think he was against it. He, I don't think he wanted me to do it. Because at that time, he's like, you need stability. Like, you need something where at least I know, even though you're not growing at the level I think you should be, I know you're good at this. This is a stable company. You're not going to lose your job. You're still so young. Like, he told me stories about, like, Elliot Friedman and what Barry Davis and what those guys were doing when they were 30. And now these, well, not so much Barry anymore, but Elliot's the top of his industry. And it's like, just be patient, stick it out. And I was at a point where I was just totally unsatisfied at work. Nothing to do with anyone specifically, just I didn't see a... And every time I would meet with them to kind of express this, I would just get roadblocks. So the other guy told me, you know what? Take these tests. You need to be licensed to work for him. So I go, get your license. You can do it on the side. And at the time, I was working a lot of nights. We were working at the CBC a lot for the hockey stuff. Oh, yes. So I had full days off. And I would study. I would do my studying, but this test to, to do insurance and wealth is big you need to get like a it's called an LLQP license and you need to study essentially for three four months and then write four different tests and then a provincial test so all day I was pretty much studying and then I would work at night and that would be my schedule and I got my t- I, I, the material some of it was pretty basic to me some of it was I got my material and I got my license I think officially like the end of July 2016 at the time, I just thought it'd be something maybe I'd do on the side, just try it out. At the time, I was going back and forth with Sportsnet and trying to see, hey, like, what's going on? Like, I knew I had this option, but I didn't really know enough about it. I kind of was, I just knew it, I had an option if I wanted to leave. And they were kind of pushing me, like, you can't really do this half-assed. You've got to either go all in or don't do anything. Like, so when once I, I, I want to ideally stay, find a position with Sportsnet where they'd be able to solve this and maybe I'd be able to do this on the side but fortunately the Sportsnet setup was they couldn't they, could, they couldn't get me to the level where I thought I should be and it's not anyone's fault it's just that's the structure of the company to get anything done you need to go through a million hoops so I decided to go on board with this I, I wish I honestly I wish I spent a little more time looking out not, nothing to do with this job it's a good job but it was a great time I just kind of wish I like kind of took a step back, kind of looked at the whole circle, what else I could have done. At the time, I was acting emotionally. So do you regret the decision at all, then? I don't regret it. I, I, I regret maybe that I didn't take more, maybe meeting with like a headhunter or like really seeing what else was out there rather than just knowing this was the option versus, it was just being this versus this thing, mm-hmm. which I kind of wish I stepped back and looked at everything. And so I ended up, I think it was the end of, I think it was early September 2016. I ended up resigning from Sportsnet and taking a couple months, relaxing, getting my head right, and then getting into this and really taking the first year to kind of learn the industry. And, and it's an industry that you really need to be, like it's very different than it was initially described. Like you really need to be comfortable with what you're doing and you really need to be, and it's a whole different skill set than what I've been doing my whole life. So before we get into what you're doing now, yeah, <clears throat> just backtrack and a couple questions about mm. the decision to leave. 
Um, so you were still in your 20s at the time. Yeah, uh, I was 28. And it, and it sounds as though you you had a pretty difficult time making this decision. Being And, and I mean, you and I talk about this all the time, being in your, in your 20s, writing yeah. about sports. It seems from the outside as though it's a dream. Yeah. And, and yet, still, there's different ways that people think that you know, I, I need to get out of this. Oh, yeah. You're right. If, when I told some of my friends at the time that I was thinking about leaving, they looked at me like I had three heads. And then I told them how much money I made. And then they their jaws would drop. Someone who's been in a job for six years. And I, I don't want to make it seem like it was money, because honestly, I had, money was probably the last factor in the decision. But I never felt like I was writing about sports. That's what kind of made me so discontent. What we were doing was more like content creation. It was more like promoting Rogers. And if I was just out there writing, I don't think I would have ever left. And even when, like my dad grew up in the newspaper business, and when I would go home, I'd visit him, and I'd show him the stuff I was doing. And he'd see my stuff on Twitter or whatever, and he'd be like, this is entry-level. He's not saying my work was entry-level quality, but he's like, this is what, at newspapers, this is what entry-level people do, not people who are talented have been in your business for six years. So he was, he would, like, he wouldn't frustrate me, but it's like, there was like a gap between what the writers were doing and what we were doing, and there was no attainable way other than them honestly quitting or leaving to get there. So as much as I, the stuff came very naturally to me, I could write a story very quickly, you, you saw me, and I still have old bosses telling me that no one's been able to replace my well-rounded ability to just pump out a story. But I didn't feel like I was writing about sports. I felt like I was creating content for Rogers. Mm-hmm. To me, that there was no joy in that. Do you find it sort of ironic that uh, before you got into sports writing, your dad was like, "No, no, no. like, oh, don't, don't go in." And then whenever you're leaving, uh, he says, "No, no, no, you should stay." That's my dad in a nutshell. <laughs> That's kind of our family. We we're hard to peg, but <laughs> I just think he was just happy. He just thought I was good. And he just think, he thinks the idea of leaving something while you, that you're good at at the time was and it was just such a stable company and he knew how much I had grown around sports. He thought I was maybe making an emotional decision, which maybe he was right. Maybe I was making an emotional decision. So again, I, but it is kind of ironic that he was the one who initially was like, "Go do something where you can grow." And there's only like ten people in this country who really make it, and the rest are scrambling, hoping someone. But at the same time, the job that I ended up getting was a job that didn't exist when he even told me that. Now, this was like my end of my university days. So content creation on the website. Sportsnet barely had a website in 2008. So yeah, it's ironic at the time, but he understood where I was coming from. He just thought, he's, a, he's a, not a risky, crazy guy. Like, as maybe he comes off that way sometimes, but very, he wants everything to be very stable. And at the time, I had a very stable lifestyle. I, you get paid the same every two weeks. You live in downtown Toronto. You're in a very comfortable position. You're good. You're good with your bosses. So he wanted me to... He just didn't want me to make an emotional decision, which maybe I did, but that's, that's what it came down to. All right, so explain what you, you do today. I know you just recently changed companies, but uh, you, you can give a bit of an idea as to what you do today and as an insurance broker in, in Toronto. Yeah, so before I was working at the, a company called Independent Financial Concepts. That's the family, my friend of mine. The family friend of mine is, one of, he was the higher up, one of the big guys there. It's a small company and 
through that company, you kind of run your own business through their, through their business. And it's, it was all sorts of things. It was like, go out and find your own clients. Go out and... So it's all things from, like, managing wealth or all sorts of insurance or... Like, the most of the big producers want you to focus on the insurance because that's the way you can grow the most. It's hard to grow on the money management side starting out. And I did that. It was, it was a cool experience, but... It was hard for me to go from like such a team atmosphere to a job where you're really on your own. I said independent was the name. Independent was the lifestyle. You're really on your own. And you'd go into the office and everyone's kind of doing their own thing. And for me, this was kind of a tough transition. Which I was saying before, maybe I wish I did a little more background. But oddly enough, I got connected through, again, another mutual connection to a girl who around my age. And Connection said, hey, like, go have lunch with her, pick her brain. At this point, I was barely eight months into this job. New, complete new industry I'm, that I was liking. I just was kind of struggling with... Sports were so natural and so clear, and this was... You're starting a square one. And so I, I, I'd always go on these lunches just to, like, learn from people. And maybe I did too much, and I'd get too many ideas, and then I'd have to struggle going with which ideas were better. Mm-hmm. But so I, I have lunch with this girl... And next thing I know, she's working in like a same core work I was doing before, but in like a team environment. So this company I work for now, she showed me the setup that they have. It's, it's a company called 33.7, which they do the same sorts of things. It's a lot of wealth management and a lot of insurance broke. Like I, we work in insurance and what we do is we service our clients in all different sorts of insurance. So we have a home and auto insurance guy. I don't do that stuff. That stuff to me isn't exciting at all. Um, so we have a company, they're a big mortgage company, and we help the mortgage company. They're, they're just one of our clients, but what I do is I specifically spend a lot of my time with the mortgage company, and every time their clients get a mortgage, I help set up either their life insurance or their... If you don't have a job that, with benefits, it's like called disability insurance, which means if you got injured and you couldn't work, you get paid a monthly salary through the insurance. If you work at a company like Rogers or BMO or whatever, you have long-term and short-term disability, which is designed for you to come back to work. But if you are a real estate agent or you run your own business or you're a bartender or whatever, say you're a massage therapist, you break your hand, how are you going to earn a living? So I, I put people in situations like that. Say you're, I have a client, a massage therapist. I said to him, if you break your hand playing basketball, he plays basketball, what happens? I said, I'm, I'm out of shit out of luck, right? I can't get paid. So I set him up with a plan that gives him his monthly salary. He pays a monthly fit payment, and if something happens to him, there's a salary every month. It's very common for real estate agents or people who run their own businesses. So that's a big area I do, and the other area is where life insurance when you buy a house or you have a, a baby or you need f- like a, a payment for final taxes or funeral expense I help set up life insurance plans where you pay a monthly fee and if something happens to you your family or your children or whoever owns a house with you would get paid out enough to either cover the house or maybe a million dollars to pay off all your debts and that's the, the nature of my business now it sounds boring and different compared to sports and grim but I like the like. I've always felt like my strength with personal relationships, and now I feel like I'm helping people. Okay, so that that's what I was gonna ask you next. Yeah. Whenever you you left sports, you had said you wanted to 
help people more and, and uh, do you feel as though you're now getting more satisfaction uh, out of your career now that you are dealing with people more? Well 100% like it was cool that I got into this industry at the time where like my friends a lot of my friends were starting to have babies or buy <coughs> Toronto houses which are as we know not very affordable for everyone so some of my first clients they always say like don't work with your friends but some of my first clients are me staying in my friends' houses, going through like their health, personal health history, and like you're learning so many things about your friends that you never would talk about. And you have to go through their income, and so that was a little weird. But at the end of the day, like I felt a reward that I never felt in sports. Like if you write a good article, maybe you get a pat on the back, or you get an article, you get an email from one of your boss being like your story did big numbers. But other than that, what's rewarding about your job? Maybe you work a trade deadline shift, or uh, if you don't—if you've never been in the industry, it's hard to explain what the trade deadline shift is like. A lot of pizza. Yeah, a lot of pizza <laughs> and ten hours of pumping out stories that people might read on their phones. But I never got a personal reward out of my job. I just—the thing that always kept me there was the people and the relationships I had. But if you come, I'm—I'm I'm spending a lot of time now at people's houses and driving around Ontario helping clients that I either I get on my own or through our business and I'm helping people make sure that if something happened to them like I said the guys at TSN I was working with say, I don't know what they had personally I don't I don't I didn't know their families but say one of these guys had a million dollar plan for a 30 year old and a million dollar plan costs you like 50 bucks a month it's not crazy if he had that million dollar plan his wife would have had a million dollars to raise the kid pay off the house debt free like for me to do that, it was, a, it was a real, like when I'm driving home from some of these, I just feel, I feel so rewarded compared to writing an article about how Phil Kessel isn't scoring goals. Like it's a different, it's not as natural obviously as sports was to me, but like, yeah, helping people and the rewards to me is the best part of what I'm doing now. Do you miss it at all? Working in sports? Yes and no. I miss, as much as I was maybe saying, I, I wish I got out there, I miss the relationships. Like working in a sports newsroom is uh, it doesn't feel like work. It's not like a locker room, but it's just like it's like being in a bar with ten friends. You're you're working, but you're talking about stuff that doesn't feel like you're in a workplace. And it's not a bad way. It's just fun. You're talking about movies. You're talking about all kinds of stuff. But when you have to do work, you have to do your work. I miss the environment. I miss the people. But I don't miss the work. I've been able to enjoy like I, I well, we we were doing some real intense hockey stuff once Rogers got those NHL rights and it sucked the life out of hockey for me it took me a couple of years to really I'm able to now I'm back into that again I can watch the Blue Jays without having to worry about what I have to write the next day it's different for me I was never down at the ballpark of the arena covering for me the thing I always liked about the business is I like talking and I like the relationships and the part of my word in this content creation role is you're not you're not doing that you're not using your network to grow you're yeah, maybe you can go find sources, but how do you find a source if you're sitting at a desk all day typing, reciting other people's radio interviews? So I felt more like a Rogers PR guy than a, a sports writer. So I don't miss that part at all. I, I miss, I'll always wonder what if. That's just me. I'm always, I said, thinking about the next thing, but, but do I regret it? No, I'm with a company now. It's the 10 person company. Uh, we're really, the girl I work with, we're really tight, and it's a cool. I, I still work. I'm technically still my own boss, and I, I run my own book of business, and I can work from anywhere. I can work on my own hours. 
I don't have kids yet, but I was always worried that if I do have kids, I would have to miss stuff and have to work a lot of nights. And now I kind of make my own schedule. And I know growing up in our family, my dad had to miss a bunch of stuff when he was covering the Olympics. And that was hard for him and hard for my mom. And now I don't have to deal with that. And I can go out every Saturday night and not have to worry about whether I'm watching Don Cherry. And my life is normalized a lot, which is, which is cool. Sometimes I miss the grind. But no, I, I regret that I didn't maybe, maybe try to ride it out a little more, but I was at a point right now where I was where I just wasn't unhappy. I just wasn't happy. I mean, do you ever see yourself going back or have you closed that book? No, I'm all, I'm, I'm an opportunist <laughs> that if, the, if anyone called me and there was a good opportunity, I would listen. I'm, I'm stubborn in many ways, but I'm also open in some ways and even if Sportsnet, they called me with an offer where I could do something where I wasn't just pumping out content to promote their brand, which is what they do. I, I understand why they want us doing that. They're a, a corporation more than like a newspaper. Yeah, I would, I would listen if the, the, the job and the opportunity made sense. I would go back in a second. But for me, I didn't, see, I didn't see an opportunity. I saw a gap between the established people and the growing people, and I still look around and see all the guys I was with. They're all in the same jobs. This was, I left a year and a half ago. I haven't seen any growth. Even when I was there, the only growth I would see was through either when people would leave or quit or whatever. And to me, that was just, that's not the way I operate. I think people should be rewarded for their work. Now I'm in an opportunity where it's, it's not fully commission-based, but there's it's a lot of commission. The growth is unlimited. So motivation will never be an issue. And that challenges me. I was in a job where I wasn't being challenged, honestly. I, could, I was on autopilot, essentially. And as a 29-year-old on autopilot, it's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. So I don't regret that at all. I don't regret coming home and feeling bitter or, or going out with our coworkers and complaining for hours. But I think that's any job, really. But no, now I'm on my own. There's challenges in this job that are immense. But I enjoy the idea of being challenged on a daily basis and... I'll never not be motivated this way. Yeah. If you want to get paid, you have to work and work hard. So, This has been awesome, man. Thanks yeah. very much. Appreciate it. No problem. That was Jeff Simmons. He's an insurance broker in Toronto. Well, there you have it. That was season one of the Under the Hill podcast. Thanks so much to everyone uh, who followed along throughout this first season. Plans for a second season and recording those episodes are already underway. So if you know someone that might have an interesting and intriguing story to tell, or a trend that we should be discussing on here, tell me about it. I can be found on Twitter or Facebook, at Ryan B. McKenna. That's all one word, at Ryan B. McKenna. Special thanks this season to AT Media and Entertainment. They provided editing help for all six episodes. Alicia Sani is an editor on the show. Music this season was provided by the uber-talented Bray Skierman. This was the Under the Hill podcast with Ryan McKenna. Thanks again for listening this season, and we'll see you soon for season two. So long now. <laughs>